Hi ladies, I just wanted to thank you for tuning in and let you know that I'm going on maternity leave. So the frequency of published episodes will slow down a bit, but rest assured the podcast is not stopping. We've got many more stories on the way. So so if you're not already a subscriber, please click the subscribe button so you'll get alerted each time a new story is released. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd certainly love a rating or a review also. Thanks so much for being part of the Story Night Ministry and enjoy this next episode. Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. Tonight, my guest is Callie, and I know Callie through my cousin, Emily. So if you have been listening for a while, Emily was our guest back on episode 10. And when I reached out to her to see if she had some other friends that might be great speakers, her response was, oh, girl. And then the flurry of connections came. I'm so excited to have Callie on here to just share her life story. So before we jump into that, Callie, would you just introduce yourself to our listeners and say hello? Absolutely. Thank you, Jessica. You know, when Emily takes her little magic wand (laughs) and places it on your head, oh my goodness, what an honor. So I am so delighted to share with you and your listeners. I feel like we're all new friends. We're all new friends tonight. And so I want to welcome you in my home where I'm recording this from. I live on Pensacola Beach, Florida. So I live on the beautiful Emerald Coast. Our sand is white like sugar and our water is green and it's beautiful and there's palm trees. I know, I know. But I'm a transplant from Wisconsin. So I feel like I can say that full out. I love it here. I'm married to my college sweetheart, Josh. And we have two miracle babies you'll hear more about, Brayden, who is almost 12, and Maddie, who is 10. Maddie, by the way, thinks she has her own YouTube channel. She does not. She does not. And then we have our new addition, our mini Australian Labradoodle, Pippa, who has been the greatest gift, (laughs) especially during a pandemic and a quarantine. So she is so delightful and can find us spending a lot of time together, whether it's at the beach, at home, travel when we can. And yeah, so that's just a quick little snapshot. I'm self-employed, so I am grateful for the gift of flexibility as I'm a mom, a wife, a friend, and all the things. All the good things. And I, you know, I love... I do love just the connection from one one place to another as you're describing where you live and wearing just the, you know, this kind of cute summery outfit, by the way, we're recording at the end of January, and you're describing white sandy beaches as I'm looking out my window to just inches of white snow. This is the first snow of our little area in McBinville, Oregon, and... It's been an adventure just starting this recording. I had to bring my microphone home and get back before the roads got too icy. And it was a a really interesting three-minute drive home. (laughs) But we're here. We're so excited. You know, Jessica, being from Wisconsin, I do miss, I do miss the snow, but like for a minute. You know, (laughs) not driving in it, not having to warm your car up or scrape a windshield. So 
I do tend to lean towards the white sand <laughs> now instead of the white snow, but it is beautiful. Yes. I think we're still, after 34 years in Southern California, I could just sort of glue my face to the window right now and, you know, go make a snowman. And it's just, it's magical. It's incredible right now. So, so <laughs> you, your life started out in Wisconsin. And so how, as we go back, I want to just dive into your story, how you ended up with these miracle babies, how you ended up with your business, and how in the world you got from Wisconsin to Florida, from the snow to the sand. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, right? (laughs) Thank you, God. And really, that is the theme, like the thread, I guess you could say, that has woven through my life. One of my favorite verses is man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. And I am an Enneagram three, and I'm also on the strengths finder. One of my top strengths is strategic. So imagine a girl that really wants to have total control over all aspects of her life. And God just looks at that and has a little chuckle and has the last say, which I'm very grateful for because He's got that big picture. I kind of think of it like that tapestry that I'm seeing the backside, right? And I'm seeing all the knots and I'm seeing, does it make sense? There's no beauty. It is messy. It is uncomfortable on my side of the tapestry. And he sees the finished picture on the other side. I know you love art, so I'm sure that resonates with you. (laughs) So... Yeah, a little bit of a crazy, colorful childhood is a way I like to describe it. And my parents are very open about kind of the ups and downs of their life. Just to give you like the absolute Cliff Notes version of that part, they were hippies. They met on a commune, like real hip, not wannabe hippies, right? Not modern day, but the real thing. So they met on a commune, they fell in love, the stars were in line, all of those kinds of things. And the commune moved from Colorado to to Madison, Wisconsin. As I mentioned, stars were in line and here I am. And that actually will be part of my story later because my parents were not planning. Well, they weren't planning anything. Let's be real. (laughs) They were just living on love and, you know, whatever came their way that day. So they were not planning on having me. And here I am. And that would actually be a significant part of their life and my life to come. So I had a really unusual, unconventional childhood. I have a feeling that probably led to my wanting to be traditional and have a lot more control over things because we moved a lot. There was, you know, a little bit of the sense of whatever today would bring would be fine. Um, There wasn't a lot of consistency. And so in some ways, it was a fun childhood. And in some ways, I really sought security, I think, because of that. My parents always wanted like a bazillion kids. They would say a dozen, but a bazillion would probably be accurate too. And what would happen was my mom would have medical issues later on. And she had a couple tubal pregnancies and miscarriage. And I'm all that they have. I'm it. So I'm an only child. And, you know, I think filed in the back of my mind, even though our relationship is very special, the three of us, I knew that my mom had wanted to have more children and had 
some struggles with that, but I never really thought that that would happen to me. Because again, I thought, no, that's her story and her life and mine's going to go just like I'm going to plan it. <laughs> so that was kind of the the start of things for me, the journey, I suppose, to seek some stability, to seek some normalcy, to seek some of the kind of traditional path. So I ended up going to college. I ended up all like kind of ticking things off of the checklist, you know, that you're supposed to do and follow. And I got a job in television news. And so that career was really fulfilling in a lot of ways, as far as what I saw as structure, what I saw as success. And what's interesting too, at that point, I really think I went into television news because I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to make an impact. I don't know that I even would have said it that way. I mean, I'm in my early twenties, but I think deep down inside, I wanted what I was doing to be significant. And it was really disappointing <laughs> to find out that I wasn't able to have that possible influence. I wasn't able to really engage with people the way that I wanted to make them feel important or to make them feel heard or to be hope for them because I was just behind all of these TV monitors spouting off all of the horrible things, frankly, that were happening in our world. But I never lost hope of that dream, that dream that something that I would do would matter for someone. I just didn't know what that was going to look like or how God was going to use that. I just have to pause for a minute because I know how many women relate to that feeling. Even if even if maybe kind of their vision of, of how it would play out is different, I have had so many women on this podcast talk about the need to feel significant and that need to make a difference. And it's just, to me, I feel like that's such evidence of this creative, loving God that we're not just here to be here and be random because we just have this like deep internal need to have a purpose and to have meaning and to have significance and to make a difference. And, you know, so for anyone listening, you are so not alone in, in feeling that. And if you haven't found it yet, I just... I encourage you not to give up. Very few of us sort of find that overnight, that it's a journey. And I'm so glad you're mentioning that and get to share about how that played out for you. And, you know, I think too, Jessica, that significance or meaning or purpose or your why, W-H-Y, your why, it's not cookie cutter. It doesn't have to be on a grand scale or it can't. It doesn't have to leave your own little community or it can. It could be through your family. It could be through your career or your calling or your a hobby or a talent. But I think it starts with a feeling. It starts with a desire. And if we don't make an intention, if we don't make an intention to be still or to follow through. You know, I think some of us know already what it is. We just haven't given ourselves permission to either say no to something or say yes to something. That's why I said yes to you in doing this because I thought, wait, I don't want to waste anything. I don't want to waste a part of my story that could be significant to someone or could say to them, yes, girl, 
you know, do the thing. <laughs> Speak up. Take a chance. Take a risk. Don't let what you've experienced be for nothing, right? You know, one of the things, I'm just going to go ahead and say this now. We all have, I call them bricks of adversity. And you're going to hear mine in a minute, what I really went through that was one of the deepest, darkest, most solitary seasons of my life. So we all have them. And you might have different bricks. You might have different bricks from different times, or you might have a few big ones from something you're going through now. I don't know. And what we do with those, I think there's three things we do with them. And the first is that we build a wall. And we build a wall to keep people out, things out, feelings out, and we hide behind it. Sometimes it even feels safe, right? Sometimes it even feels like a, a, a secure wall, but it's still a wall. The other thing I think we can do is we leave them in our path and we trip over them all the time. And every time we do, it brings it back. We fault ourselves. We take ourselves back to that place, right? It's repetitive. It's over and over and over. The past is always in our present. Or the last thing that we do is we stack them on top of each other and we step up and we step up and we step up. And before we know it, Jessica, we have a platform. We have a platform. And your voice, my voice, the listener's voice can be heard. It can be an encouragement. It can be the game changer for one soul or multiple people. So you have them. Everybody has them. And I think that they are building blocks. I think that's part of our calling, collective calling, is to each, you know, so to speak, like raise our flag for what maybe was the weight, you know, the thing that was holding us back, dragging us down. And now it's our song. Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head on just about everything any listener could possibly need to hear. <laughs> that was almost like a mic drop, you know? <laughs> Just don't drop your mic. Don't drop your mic. Oh, <laughs> just let that let everything she said just sink in a bit. If you need to actually rewind, you know, this podcast and re-listen to that, please do. Don't let those words go just in one ear and out the other. And I think listeners, you'll hear as as Kelly shares the rest of her story that she's not just spouting off words that sound good or like some cutesy analogy like this comes from a real place this isn't like a marketing scheme or anything like that so how in the world did you get to the point where you can describe that so eloquently and and where did your bricks come from well i appreciate that you said that too because it does come from a place of both vulnerability and growth. You know, I am innately a person that is private. I'm an introvert. Being that Enneagram 3, I know <laughs> people that know me are surprised, but I remember I'm an Enneagram 3, which means that I am a good performer. And I do love people and I love their stories. I just have to recharge. A lot of that is recharging on my own, but it also is keeping things close keeping things close to my heart and not really processing them out loud 
but having to work through them on my own, which is not always the healthiest thing, not always the best thing. Sometimes it is, but I'm I'm just going to take you to that part of my story. So maybe you understand how much it's allowed me to grow and to be able to speak with passion about what I just said, that whatever your bricks are or whatever the weight is that has been just almost impossible to break down or to stop having in your path, that you would embrace that today, that you would have a new way of thinking about it. And so I mentioned I'm married to my college sweetheart, and I knew the minute I met him and saw him around his nieces and nephew that he was going to be a great dad. I just knew it. That was one of the things that drew me to him. And after we were married for a few years, and honestly, I got married a little bit later. And if I'd been younger, I had so much fun being married with, you know, no responsibilities and all of that. I would have just taken a lot more time to just spend with him and do the things that we loved because I really did love that part of my life. But, you know, there was this deep down heart's desire to be a mom and Because so many other things in my life, I was able to, quote unquote, make happen. I didn't see why this would be any different. So when I said, I'm ready, I'm ready. And my body said, you're not, you're not ready. And as a believer, I know that God also has his hand in timing. I'm studying Genesis right now. And boy, was he completely in control of these generations and when babies were born and not born. And so from the beginning of time, I know that he definitely is sovereign over that part. But I didn't see it like that. I saw it as he was denying me my heart's desire. Every month was torture. One of the things that I have talked to a lot of women about, PMS symptoms and pregnancy symptoms are pretty much exactly the same. And I was on a roller coaster every single month. And then when we did get pregnant, we weren't able to stay pregnant. I also think one of the cruelest places for women that are struggling with infertility or miscarriage is an OPGYN office. And I would walk in and I would see every type of person there with their bellies. And I would be once again reminded of who I was not. And that's really what it felt like. I was not good enough. I just wasn't good enough. It was a cruel place that I would go. And I even, I even miscarried once in the doctor's office. I went in thinking everything was okay. Before they even called me back for my appointment, I I knew something was wrong, and I left the office knowing everything wasn't okay. I am now so open about this story, but at the time, I was not. I mean, I didn't even, it was all I could do to even tell my husband. I certainly didn't want to tell my friends. I certainly wasn't going to broadcast it out on social media. So I would start to go into this hole and get deeper and deeper and deeper did not see a way out because I did not ask for help or I didn't ask people to pray or I didn't do any of that. It became a very dark place for me. I still trusted God, like ultimately, I don't know, you know, that verse in the Bible, in the Bible, in the New Testament, where the father says, I believe. And then he says, help me with my unbelief. 
Yeah, that was me. It was like, I believe you, God. I believe you love me. I believe you have a plan. I believe it when you say you'll give me the desires of my heart. I don't believe, you know, it was like exactly in the same breath. I could say that. I think too, just to say I did not allow myself grief either. And I would push through and I would pretend like everything was okay. That was kind of part of the whole as well. So that's where I found my bricks. Those were my bricks. Some of them were physical, my physical health. And I had struggled physically since my early 20s. Some of it was a brick probably of confusion or resentment. Some was a brick of sorrow. I now understood what my mom had gone through. I was younger when she went through her infertility issues, but I now really could see the pain. So it was bricks of pain. It was bricks of jealousy. I remember that first year when I either couldn't get pregnant or couldn't stay pregnant. I counted 32 people I knew had babies that year. And then there was people I didn't know, like Jamie Lynn Spears, who was a teenager. and She got pregnant. And I was, I mean, to lighten the mood, I will just tell you, I thought, are you kidding me? My best friend took me to dinner. She knew how much I wanted to be a mom. She took me to dinner. And I knew she was going to tell me something. And with tears pouring down her face, she told me that she was pregnant. And I really wanted it to be the most special night for her. She's my best friend. She was so gracious to me. And I did. And I put that smile on my face. And I meant it for her. And I threw her her baby shower. (laughs) But there was a brick. A brick of that it's not fair. Right? I'm doing everything I know I'm supposed to. But as I mentioned, each one of those piled on top of each other. And I'm here to tell you the beauty in that story. The beauty in that story. So through modern medicine and God's miracle, our first, our first baby was born, Brayden. And it was everything I could have imagined. But even as I held him and even as It was joy beyond compare. At that moment, I had this impression on my heart that this story prior to him, his story, the future story, it was just starting to unfold and that it wasn't just about me. As I held him, I thought it's, it's not just about me, but, but what does that mean? It was confusing. And then I realized what I have, what I haven't mentioned to you yet is being self-employed. I, the business that I'm in, I am surrounded by hundreds of women every day. And I kind of realized as I looked down at him that maybe my holding back from voicing where I was, my story, my struggle, maybe holding back had not been the best thing. And maybe I needed to be brave and maybe I needed to say something because if I'm around hundreds of women every day, there's got to be a woman who's been where I've been or is where I at or will be. And I didn't want that to go unheeded. And so Jessica, I started uh, like so scared. I remember the first time I like whispered 
at a kitchen table. There was a few women sitting around a kitchen and I, I whispered something about it and it resonated and their eyes opened up and their hearts opened up and their stories started. This is story night. Their stories started to open up, whether it was theirs or their daughters or their sisters. And I thought, okay, this is the start of something. I don't know what it is, but it's the start of something. And I looked at this baby and I looked at the women I was around. I thought, this is the start of something. So as I would put him down for a nap or to go to sleep at night, I would start to pray for women that had now shared a little bit of their story with me. And I would say their name and I would pray over them, whether they wanted to be a mom or whatever their situation was. And I started with a couple of my girlfriends and I was consistent in every night. and. And then God did our second miracle. And if you know our daughter, Maddie, she just decided she was going to be born. Like, that's the kind of girl she was. She's like, wait, I'm not in the world. Y'all need me in this world. That was the Southern part of me. You guys, for those of you up north, need me in this world. <laughs> and here I come. So, so they're 20 months apart. And now I had two hands to reach on two babies. And I would pray for these friends and pray that they would have the desires of their heart met to be moms in their situations. And here's where the story turns, Jessica. One night, there was too many names. I kept, I needed to go to bed and I had these names and I didn't want to skip a name. And so I was saying these friends' names because I was now starting to really be open enough to tell people my story. and. I thought, I need some help. I need some help. There's too many names for one girl. <laughs> so it was Friday, January 13th, 2012. And I put a post out on Facebook. You know, not all social media is bad, right? I put a post out on Facebook. And I said, I am starting to share my story about my journey with infertility and miscarriage and God's providence and all of that. And I am believing bold things for women that are where I'm at or have been or will be. And so if I can pray for you, please message me. Or if you'll partner with me as a prayer warrior, please message me. That was the toughest and most beautiful and most challenging and most heartbreaking and most encouraging weekend of my life. I don't know when I've cried more tears. I don't know when my heart has burst wide open more. I don't know when I have felt more in my calling ever than that weekend. The stories that poured in from women, some of them had never told a soul. Some of them were an open book. Some of them completely broke my heart. Some of them ignited a flame that said, all is not lost. And by the end of that weekend, I think there was probably 50 women at that point, 50 women that had either asked for prayer or said they would partner in prayer. And we started the support group that very weekend. I went back today. I looked back through prayer journals. I looked back through posts in there. I had created how to pray, a list of how to pray for these women, praying for their relationship with the Lord, their relationship with their husbands, praying for their emotions, praying for them physically, praying for them financially, praying for them emotionally and mentally, all of those things. And that launched our support group. 
So here we are, nine years later. The support group has over 500 women in it. We've seen over 100 babies born or adopted. And Jessica, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. It's a very safe place because I understand that women need that. It's a place where we're the first people when they tell good news. And we're the first people when they've got bad news. It's the place where we're all called aunties and we're called sisters. It's the place where they post that precious new rainbow baby and all the aunties do praise hands and spirit fingers and get down on our knees. And it's the place where maybe it feels like they're hanging on that tiny, tiny last thread. And so we pray for each other. We support each other, all kinds of women from all different situations. And we are in belief. We're in belief for them. You know, the last thing I'll say about this part is at some point in the beginnings of this support group, I looked at my husband and with tears, I said, I wish that there had been a place like this for me. And he looked at me and he said, but if there had been, you wouldn't have started this. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, Jessica, that God allowed me to take that part of my life that felt like the most devastating wrecking ball that I could never recover from. And do you know what I say today? I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. Those bricks absolutely became a platform. You know, for anybody who is in that place, and I'm glad you said it because, there, I mean, there's a lot that we don't like about social media. And so it's great when there are the good things, like what was this originally intended for? How can we use this for, for good and encouragement and hope? And sometimes that is the absolute safest place yes. to go is to, you know, this, this private group with these women who are initially strangers. Yes. You know, in a, in a place where people get you. And I know women, you know, who are listening, maybe, maybe infertility is not the struggle for you. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a, another kind of health diagnosis, or maybe it's related to your, you know, your marriage or, or motherhood or missions or who knows, right? There's so many topics that get brought up on the Story Night podcast. But when you're around other people who get it and who understand what you're going through and you can start a sentence and, and these women can finish that sentence because they've right. been there and they're feeling the same things you are and they're having the same kind of joys and the same kinds of struggles. There really aren't any words to describe that. If you if you haven't experienced that yet, I I don't know how much more Callie and I can tell you. You jump in, dive in, find it, find that group. They they are out there. Yeah. Sometimes all it takes is a Facebook search or a Google search or a, a a call to the, you know, to a church nearby to be like is there anything that provides support for this particular, you know, fill in the blank? Yeah. And you know what? Some of you may be called to be the one tonight listening to this to start something. Absolutely. You know, I, I think for the life of me, I would have chosen to just join something. And I think that's beautiful. I'm so thankful for women that needed a place to join. But I also know some of you, perhaps this is the time where you say, I think it's time for me to lead. 
think it's time for me to lead. And God will give you the strength. He gave me the strength. You know, sometimes when you're shouldering other people's pain or you're shouldering their unmet desires, that's a heavy weight too, isn't it? One of the things that a dear friend of mine said, she said, I want you to think of it like holding hands. And don't we miss that connection right now? Don't we miss literally holding hands with each other? But she said, whoever it is that you have compassion for, that you're praying for, that you're earnestly believing for, you hold their hand. Then you hold the hand of God. And then you bring them together. And if you need to, you can then release it because God is capable right? Because sometimes I think I want to pray so deeply for these women that God has put in this group, but how do I have the most effective prayer? Or, you know, how do I communicate, you know, how much I want this to happen for them? That's a lot of responsibility. And maybe it's not in a support group. Maybe it's for your own children, or maybe it's for your husband, or maybe it's for a job right now. I mean, we're in a season where there's so many needs out there for people. And I think what we do is we hold that person's hand, whether it's physically, whether it is virtually, whether it's emotionally, we hold God's hand and we put them together and his very capable hand envelops that. And then we can choose to release that into into his plan, or we can take that connection there too. So I'm grateful for that because I know that he knows the cry of our heart, even if we don't say the right words, even if we forget to pray for someone that we said we would, he is capable. He's capable of um, working all of those things to that person's good. He's capable uh, in his divine way to give the strength, to give the comfort, to give the peace, to give the overflow of whatever it is that people need around us. He absolutely is. And and my gosh, circling back to where we started, like talk about significance and purpose and making a difference. And and just like you said, there's no it's not a point system. It's not a, well, if you have some platform that reaches 5 million people, that earns you more points than if you just connected and helped and supported the person that lives next door. It it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no. And sometimes we're the only one that could reach that next door neighbor, Absolutely. right? The more we open up about what's going on uh, in our lives, the more we realize there are a lot of other people going through the same thing. You're exactly right. And I think that's one of the tools of the enemy is for either us to believe we're the only one or for us to believe that if we verbalize it, if we say it out loud, that either uh, we'll be ostracized or people will not understand or then it makes it more real. It already is real. <laughs> it already is real, whether we say it or we don't say it. But there is there is a strength in that vulnerability and we are designed. I believe. And the Bible talks about, it's like, sometimes you think, why me? Right? Well, first, let me just say, I've learned in my life, why not me? You know, it's so easy to say, why me? When bad things happen, we never say it when good things happen. Like, you know, somebody got a promotion or somebody, why me? No, we just are like, yes, we receive it. We receive it. I don't know about you, but I tend to just say, why me? When bad things happen, but flipping it around, why not me? And I look back on that and I say, why not me? And 
And again, God knew that he would eventually put me in a situation with women. And what is one in four, Jessica, one in four women are going to experience what I did. Why not me? I'm grateful. I'm grateful he picked me. (laughs) As crazy as that sounds, I'm grateful he picked me. That just made me think of another friend of mine, Beth, who, uh, very similar to you, she runs a support group and organization called Sarah's Laughter. And the phrase she has always used is that God entrusted her with infertility. And I just thought, you know, nobody walking through that journey would ever think that (laughs) right away. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Entrusted? And you can, again, fill in the blank with any other suffering, whatever, you know, whatever your struggle is, that God entrusted you with that to be changed by it, to, to grow within it, to use it to serve others, to be refined, to make a difference, to, to share the story. That sure changes perspective, doesn't it? It feels empowering. It feels empowering when you say it like that. And like you said, fill in the blank. And it doesn't mean that God did that, I think, because we already had the strength to go through it. I think he just knew that we would be strong enough by the time we emerged on the other end. And it's not of our own power. That is for sure. That is for sure. I love the thought of, for example, the fruits of the spirit. You know, those are hard on a daily basis to live out, right? Especially when you're going through that struggle. But the beautiful thing about a fruit of the spirit, for example, is it doesn't just create itself. The only way that it flowers and then becomes that fruit is because it's attached. And so it's attached to the vine. It does nothing of itself. It's just the natural progression of the attachment of the vine or the attachment of the, of the branch. And so I think of the same way of strength. None of that endurance because of, of God choosing me for this came from myself. But the closer I chose to walk with him in it because we can either run from him or run to him right during our trials absolutely and you know if anyone is listening that hasn't ever heard the phrase fruits of the spirit we're you know referring to things like patience and and self-control so it's i mean there's a whole list and and the idea that just like the analogy just like actual fruit fruit is birthed from the vine or the tree that it's attached to. And the same thing that when we're, when we're connected to God, when we're attached to him and just deep in relationship, the the fruit that comes out of that, the fruit that we bear are those beautiful things like, like patience. (laughs) And peace, right? Yeah. And peace, peace in the middle of it all. Absolutely. So you have painted so many incredible pictures. I am a huge fan of analogies. I love that you use them as well. (laughs) And I think we've, you know, given so many just, you know, word pictures for the listeners. And as we've kind of walked through your story and how you've used your bricks and sort of created this platform, you had mentioned to just being self-employed and running a business. So your your work goes beyond 
running the support group. There's there's more to what you do within your work. And I just wondered if you wanted to kind of touch on that story before we close out. Yes, yes. So I've been privileged to be self-employed for quite a long time. I work from home. I do work in the field of skincare and cosmetics, hence the reason that I'm around women so much, which is a a really, a really beautiful, literally beautiful job to have. You know, one of the things that I like to say is in my career, I start with the external and then it gives me an opportunity to go to the internal, right? Which again, I don't want my time here on earth to just be about that. So guess what it gets to go to, Jessica? The eternal, right? I know, I know. And so I do. I teach women about all kinds of great self-care. I teach my team on how to do that. And so it is definitely something that has also given me the experience of how to connect with people, how to mentor them. I get to do goal setting every day. I get to work through issues with people. I get to, especially in this, my goodness, in this pandemic too, I get to learn about resilience and pivoting. I think we all have a hole in the ground from our heel pivoting so much, right? I've learned all the virtual and the technology, you know, the technology. I've learned how to homeschool my kids when I needed to and, <laughs> and do all of that. And so, so I really believe that the ability to, I'll use another analogy since you like them so much. <laughs> the ability to have a lot going on. You either get, you either juggle or you cradle. I think you might like this one too. And this kind of brings in right full circle, my desire for women that want to be mommies, that cradling picture, but this is really for anybody. So, you know, I think we all realize that we needed to be very intentional in our priorities starting March or ish, March ish of 2020. And juggling means that we can all have so much going on. Imagine a juggler, right? Imagine if I was doing it right now, well, I would be horrible because I can't juggle, but just imagine. (laughs) And no matter how many, if I start with two or three, how many balls are in the air? You've seen jugglers, they can keep adding them, right? Okay. And someone else can even throw them in there. So how many of us feel like so much of our life we're juggling and how chaotic is that? And how frenetic is that? And how, you know, how stressful is that? Right. And our gaze, we're already always looking from one to the other and we drop one and we feel like that, you know, at any moment it can all come crashing down. And so what I decided one day was that that was not working for me. And I decided that instead of juggling, I was going to cradle. And I do think as, as an auntie to all these babies, I imagine looking down, holding it, holding that newborn in your arms and your gaze is singular. It's peaceful. It's calm. You only have room for so much, right? And it's your most important thing. And if somebody comes over and they says, wait, can you also grab this bag or this, you know, pan or this, you know, whatever it is, I don't have room for that. I don't have room for that right now. And so that shifted a lot of things for me, especially this last year. So again, I don't know where you're at or if you feel like there's just too much and you need to say no to juggling and you need to say yes 
to cradling. And maybe that will give you the opportunity for that significance. You know, how many things are you juggling that if you were honest, did not align with your values, your priorities, your vision for where you want to be. But if you say, thank you, but not now, and you choose just the most important things, maybe there'll be room for something else later. But for me right now, Jessica, my gaze, when I look down and I'm, you can see, I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it with my arms. My gaze is my faith is important to me. My family, those two precious children, my husband and the puppy. (laughs) She is a priority, right? And my career. And then I have room right now for those women that I love in my support group. I have room because that's important. That's about it. There's room maybe for working out. I like to do that a little bit, but there's really not room for anything else. And so when you asked me to do this today, that fits. That fits in what I cradle. That's a yes. That's a for sure yes. But if it didn't, it would be thank you so much. But I'm a no for now, maybe later. You know, everything you're saying reminds me so much of Lisa Turkhurst's book mm. and, and study, The Best Yes. Yes. So yes. if any, if this is really resonating with anybody listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, just you're craving more of this. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend there's a book, there's a Bible study, there's a devotional, there's a whole kind of set. So if you just search the best yes, you have just a whole bunch of other resources that really fit and are just so in line with everything that Kelly's saying right now. And I think we all need to hear it and we need to hear it over and over and over and give ourselves permission to say yes or no, depending on what we have room for. What fits. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Kelly, thank you so much. I, I just grabbed a pen and a paper because I had to write down the external to the internal to the eternal because one of the things that's so heavy but with excitement on my heart is creating just kind of almost like a life skills program but through the church where it is it's it's all of those things it's like adulting 101 but with a faith base and just all of these pieces of the puzzle that I just see so many young women, they just haven't received. They haven't had the opportunity to, you know, to learn some of these things. Um, and it's, it's pretty precious, you know, to start where they are. You get to start at a place that resonates with them. Yeah. Trust is built first and then you get to move. You have that trust built up and you get to move to deeper things. So Kelly, you have already throughout kind of sharing your your story you have given so many practical ways <laughs> to to handle your bricks you've given so many word pictures normally i ask at the end if you have any words of hope and encouragement for women who identify with your story but i really feel like you've sort of done that the entire time you've shared but is there anything that you didn't get a chance to share that you feel like you'd like to say to listeners who currently are tripping over their own bricks or building a wall with them? 
Yeah, right? I know. I'm sure there's a fourth thing too, or a fifth thing. You might be thinking, I throw my bricks at somebody. (laughs) Throw them, knock somebody out, maybe their husband, maybe the doctor, I don't maybe themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there's a lot more you can do with those bricks. I'm sure your listeners can add a few to our list. You know, what I really wanted to do was I really did want to impart, Jessica, some visuals that you could take, harness them wherever you are, again, to give permission or to leave the past in the past. And if we don't, our past comes into our present, it goes into our future, and we keep seeing it. But I think the last thing, I'll tell you just one last story, current story, that I experienced at the beginning of the pandemic. So my daughter, Maddie, you all feel like you know now, right? She gave me last year for Christmas, she gave me, it was called a thoughtful journal. And I've gone through seasons where I've journaled. I don't know if you do or not. But then my Enneagram 3 feels guilty if I don't write, you know, like all the things. So then I stop. But when your daughter gives you a journal, you have to do it. And thank God for that, because I now have all of 2020 journaled. What a year, right? So each week it has, it's like a week at a glance, but each week at the bottom, it says, you're supposed to rate your week on a scale of one to 10. So January, all the four weeks, I choose 10. I, I mean, it was like, it was a 10, 10, 10, 10. You know, February, oh, it's a 10. All my weeks are a 10. They're great. First two weeks of March, I mean, they're, they're 10s. And then March 16th, 2020, the last day my kids went to school. <laughs> and at the end of the week, I'm supposed to rate my week. And With a shaking hand and tears in my eyes, I wrote, I choose 10. The next week, even harder. I mean, life was falling apart. I didn't know if I had a viable career. I didn't know what was going to happen. So much uncertainty, fear, everything. I wrote, I choose 10. The week after that, I choose 10. And then do you know what I started doing, Jessica, before the week? even started, I wrote, I choose 10. And I just share that with you because it is a choice, right? It is a choice with what to do with the bricks. It is a choice to do with cradling or juggling. It is a choice to do with what you make significant. It is a choice with where you choose to spend your time. It is a choice for your own attitude. It is a choice for the joy. It is a choice and you have the ability to do it. Even if your hand is shaking, even if the tears are coming. And that I think is why I can share again my story with passion because when it's all said and done, I can choose it. And I choose 10 because I know that I know that I know that God will use it one way or another. Amen. And that word, choose, it, that's the key. A hundred percent. I pretty certain that those weeks didn't feel like tens. They felt like negative 100. Absolutely. And if you look at the circumstances on paper, the evidence doesn't show 10. Not at all. Maybe the people around you who are looking in, they don't see a 10. But you chose a 10. I'm, I love that story. I'm glad you shared that. We always like to close with a prayer for the listeners. And I know that there are women who have experienced infertility, they've experienced miscarriage, they've experienced just that 
just the emotional turmoil um, and, and the mental health struggles that come with that. Whatever, whatever their bricks may be, I wanted to ask you to pray for them to take those bricks and turn them into platforms, um, to pray for those women to stop juggling and just cradling and, and so forth. Thank you, Jessica, for this opportunity. And I just, I just reach my hands out and I just pray, God, that you would touch these women right where they are. They don't have to come to you all cleaned up. They don't have to come to you perfect. They don't have to come to you whole, but that's how you see them. God, I pray that they could see themselves right now through your eyes as beautiful, as capable, as significant. Lord, not in spite of their bricks, but because of them. That any brokenness that is in there allows your light to shine through. There is purpose. There is meaning that you have a future for them, that your future is to prosper them, not to harm them. God, that you're going to bless them and keep them and make your face shine upon them. God, I pray you would give them the wisdom and the courage and the clarity to know if there is a next step, what it is, and that you would walk with them in it, God, and they would feel your presence not in a heavy way, God, that sometimes we can be afraid of. They would feel your presence as the perfect father who protects them, who sees where they're going, who's made a way for them. So God, I pray that tonight there will be an altar laid right here, that these women, God, that need you in their own special way would find you, God, I pray for those that want to be moms, that you would give them the desires of their heart. Lord, I thank you for those original women, God, that now are moms through adoption, through through your just hand on their bodies. God, I pray big, bold, believing prayers that there are women here, that you would heal them, that you'd send them to the right facility and the doctors and the um, God, the medication, the surgery, whatever it takes, Lord. And if they're becoming a mom looks a little different. God, I pray that you would ordain that too. And Lord, when it's all said and done, no matter what someone that's listening tonight is going through, Lord, I pray that at the end, at the end of their story, they would say, I wouldn't change it because God is good. And his plan all along was the best plan for me. So God, I pray for breakthrough. I pray for healing. God, I pray for vision, a fresh vision, a fresh vision in this new year. I pray for the past to be in the past. And I pray that they would greet their future with expectation and hope. And it's in your precious son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, as you prayed, I just could picture you back, you know, years ago when you started praying for all of those women by name. And it just made me think how many listeners would love to have their names included. If they are wanting to get connected in that way. Yeah. I'll put all of this in the episode notes, but but can you tell them what do they do? How do they find you? How do they how do they connect? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. And so Jessica, I'm going to, in the episode notes, I'm going to have you spell out my full name. They can find me on social media. Anything that they tell me is in confidence. So as they message me and share their heart, then I will personally add them to this group. It is private. 
No one will know that they're in it other than the women in there. So if they have not yet voiced what's going on with them in public, they don't need to be worried. If they would rather just have me personally pray for them, then then that's all it takes. So I'll make sure that they know how to reach out to me there. And I would be so honored, so honored to do that. I know you would. And, and I, I hope listeners hear that, that these are not just words that these women who come on to this podcast to share, when they say that you can reach out to them, they mean it with every cell in their body. And when they get those messages from somebody, I mean, it just, I mean, I do it too. Like we just, we're, we're just like dancing. It's like, oh, not that, not with the joy that somebody's going through something hard, but that somebody is reaching out to get that support. And it is, it is, like you said, it is an honor to walk alongside somebody and, and pray with that friend. Yes. Please don't try to do this alone. Please don't try to do this alone because you are not alone. And with those words, listeners, you are not alone. I hope that you just write that on your heart. I hope that this story just blessed and encouraged you. We hope it left an impact and that you can walk away feeling significant. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you come back for our next story. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women.